Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. If your daughter was two when her dad passed away, if she was in the womb when her dad passed away, she's going to grieve the loss of this man for the rest of her life. And since she is a child, she probably has a perception of him that is based on being his daughter not based on being his ex-partner. So maybe she's angry and maybe she's not. And maybe that anger will come when she's 28 or 47, or maybe it will never show up at all. Her process is her process. And we can't force them or rush them or lead the witness. It's so dangerous to sit with them and be like, Are you sure you're not feeling angry? Listen to what they're saying. Hold space for whatever it is. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach. Welcome to another episode of the show. More specifically, welcome to another conversation in a series that we call Ask Rach. That's me. That's where listeners call in from all over the world and ask me anything and everything. And today we're going to get into two very different topics, which is kind of my favorite type of Ask Rach episode because I feel like we're all in such different places in our lives. But if we were sitting together 
If we were having coffee or maybe we're at a fabulous brunch and we're a table of friends and we're being honest and real and authentic, we are sharing very different journeys and stories and where we are in our life. And hopefully we are holding space for each other for how to navigate whatever comes next. So today's topics are very different from each other, but are connected by the fact that we're all human and we're all dealing with stuff, good, bad, hard you name it. Before we jump into these questions, I would like to remind you that if you have a question, if there's something you want me to cover on the show, or maybe you've got an area of your life where you feel like things have stalled out, or you're experiencing some tension, or you want to work through it, whatever it is, call into the podcast hotline at 737-400-4626. You leave me a voicemail, just like old school answering machine, And you can ask me to leave out your name. You can ask me to leave out your voice and just tell people what you were wondering about. Totally your decision how anonymous you make your call. But I love creating content that is specifically wrapped in who y'all are, who we are as a community. And that's the intention. So let's jump in. To be totally honest, everyone on my team was like, hey, we know you'll never answer this publicly, but maybe we could send this woman a, an email or you can give her a call like she ends up leaving me her email and her phone number at the end because she says as well, hey, I know you'll never address this publicly. But as I was listening to her voice message, I was hyper aware that this is something that many of us have dealt with or are dealing with and that there are not a lot of people having conversations about it. So I am going to talk about the grief that my children have experienced this year and how we have navigated it as a family. And I will continue my boundary that I am not going to publicly talk about my ex-husband because he had his journey and his life and out of respect for my children, I'm not addressing that publicly. But I can talk about what it has looked like to parent the kids in this last year, specifically for people who find themselves in a similar situation. And that is what is coming at us in today's episode and question. Let's listen to this voicemail and hear her question. And I think you guys will understand why it felt like something I really wanted to answer because I could feel, I could feel her for lack of a better explanation. You'll get it. Hi, Rachel. My name's Carrie. I know you like to keep your life private, and I completely respect that. About almost exactly a year before, my ex-husband passed away, and we have a now 14-year-old daughter together. And I just need someone who understands how this has been to help me be able to help her. She's very sad, very upset, but she won't let herself be angry because she doesn't think she can be angry at him since he's gone. I don't have, you know, I don't know anybody else that has gone through this. And when I heard what happened, I couldn't believe how similar everything was. Um, I realized she probably can't, you know, call me back or anything, but maybe an email would be great. I don't know. If not, I completely understand. 
I appreciate everything. Okay. Thanks, Rach. I think you guys can understand why I really wanted to respond to this. But, you know, my intention with the Ask Rach episodes is always to pick topics that I think more than just one person is handling or dealing with or walking through. And that was why I decided to record this versus just sending an email in the hopes that if anyone else out there is inside of navigating grief with your children or possibly navigating grief from your childhood around a similar experience, that maybe this will help. What I thought of when I heard this voicemail was a conversation I had last week, actually. I recorded a podcast episode that'll come out in January. I really think you guys are going to love it with an incredible psychologist about intergenerational trauma. So she's talking about things that affect us in our family. So like your mom had this thing and your grandma has this thing, or even greater than that, your ancestors going back generationally have been affected by intergenerational trauma. And what's so fascinating about the subject is that trauma can affect us not just psychologically, but biologically as well. It can change our makeup of what's going on inside of our body, and it can manifest as pain and tension and dysfunction within our body system along with everything else. So it's a fascinating subject. And in that conversation, I was speaking with her about helping my children to navigate the loss of their father over the last nine months and how I based the decisions I made about navigating that with them. I based that on what I wished I had had as a child. And she was like, you know, it's so interesting. In my line of work, we call that pattern breaking. We call that cycle breakers, people who break generational cycles of trauma. And nine times out of 10, she said, cycle breaking happens based purely on intuition. The person who breaks the cycle has an intuition about the way things should be done, not because they saw it modeled, but because it just feels right in their gut. And in retrospect, so much of how I have navigated the last year with the kids is based on intuition. And let me explain why I had some intuition about this. As you may or may not know, depending on if you've read my books, when I was 14 years old, my older brother took his own life. And we were very close as children. And so his loss was devastating. But beyond the loss and beyond the grief was the fact that I found him after he took his life. And that's not something that any human should have to experience. But at 14 years old, your brain literally cannot process what it's seeing or what it's experiencing. And so it creates really intense PTSD that manifested for years and years and years and still definitely shows up from time to time. Why I feel like I had intuition about the kids is because there was a lot of similarities to the loss of my brother and to the loss of their dad 
in these three characteristics. Number one, when you lose someone, you're first just dealing with that. You're processing the loss. And every single thing that this person meant to you, you're processing that. The second thing that was similar is that it was shocking. Losing my brother was shocking and losing the children's dad was shocking. It was something nobody expected, nobody could see. And I I imagine that any of you who navigate grief with your children or yourself for someone who has been sick for a very long time, that comes with its own pain and process. But losing someone when you don't have any indication that that could happen is so jarring just from a foundational standpoint. And I don't know if it was the same with you and your daughter, but with me and my older brother or with the kids and their dad, when you experience something that awful and harsh without any warning, it creates a sense of unbalance. It makes you feel fearful. It makes you feel like what else is going to happen? It makes you worry. It makes you anxious. And I know this because that is exactly what happened to me when I was 14 years old. I was terrified for years. I was terrified that someone else was going to die. I was terrified of walking down the street. Like every extreme situation I could think of, I was worried that it was going to happen because what had happened was so outside the realm of my reality that it felt terrifying. The last thing that my brother's death and my ex-husband's death had in common was public opinion, is the taboo of dying in that way, right? Growing up in a very religious environment, there was a lot of taboo around suicide. And so I was navigating that, and I was navigating that in a small town where everyone had opinions, and they looked at you, and they talked about you behind your back. And then with the loss of my ex-husband, there's a lot of similar public opinion, but in a much more massive way, in a much more massive way. Because of public opinion, it meant that my kids, unfortunately, were made aware of all the parts of it, right? So there's the loss when he died, but nobody knew how he died, right? So in the beginning, we thought, oh, maybe he had a heart attack or we couldn't sort of fathom what had happened. And later when we found out the reality, later when we found out the report, the cause of death, I found that out because it came out in People magazine. That's how I found out. I had a coach on my kid's baseball team call me just because they were so devastated to read the news, and I literally had no idea what they were talking about. And so then I knew that I needed to tell my teenagers what had been discovered because if it was out in the world then it meant that kids at my kids school would know about it and i'm guessing that maybe there's some similarity with you 
Not that you have a public facing thing, or maybe you do, I don't know. But no matter where you live in the world, when someone dies, other people in the community know about it. And it would be disingenuous to say that other people knowing your family's business is not as big a deal as the grief or the loss. But if you're saying that, it's because you're not putting yourself into the mindset of a teenager. I can handle it. I can handle the public talking about me. I made the decision to do the job that I do. And I've discovered that it doesn't really matter what I do in life. People are just going to talk. But imagine being a teenager and having the world talk about your dad. Imagine trying to navigate all of these things while other people use his death as content to get clicks on their site. As a really hard thing to navigate. So with those three things in mind, the loss, the shock, and a worry about public perception, I felt like I had some similarities from my own childhood that I could bring into how to help them navigate this. And so I really just started with what I wished I had had. And I think for all of us as parents, that's like a beautiful foundation for anything is to ask yourself, what do you wish you would have had in this situation? What do you wish you could have experienced? What do you wish your parents would have done differently? And then do that. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store.
Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously, you can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. Something I couldn't have articulated back then, but I understand what it was now as an adult looking back is more than anything, I wished I had felt safe. I felt extremely unsafe after my brother died. My parents, and I can totally understand this now in retrospect, my parents were destroyed. And I I truly cannot fathom what that felt like for them. But I can tell you that as a 14-year-old trying to navigate it, my perception of that time is very much like Rachel can take care of herself. Like uh, she'll, you know, she'll be fine. She'll figure it out. And that was honestly the perception for a lot of my childhood. But you can't. I don't care how mature your kid is. I don't care how confident they are, how together they are, how they're such a good helper, they're so responsible. They're still a child. And so the thing that I wish I had was a feeling of safety. To me, that safety is created through foundation. It's created through certainty. It's created through routine. It's created through them being able to count on you as a safe place to land. I think that's our job as parents is to create this space for them. And that is something that I have done my entire parenting career, but more intensely after my divorce, because I did not fully understand where their dad was in life or the decisions he was making or how he was living. But I understood enough to know that I needed to be the consistent one. I needed to be the foundation. I needed to do everything I could to just, when they came to my house, that it felt really good and that they could count on the same stuff and that It would always be the same way. There would always be routine and ritual because that's what I had craved as a kid and never got. When he died, it meant that now that was all they were getting. So I do think that 
the biggest, like without question, I want you guys to hear me say this, without question, the biggest reason that my kids are doing as well as I think a child could do in the situation that they're inside of is because foundation. I I literally just said this to a friend the other day that I cannot imagine how you navigate this if you lose a parent that you're still in a relationship with. When their dad passed away, we had been separated for three years. I cannot imagine how much harder that would have been to navigate if I was also grieving the loss of a partner. And I know that other people listening to this may very well be navigating their own grief while trying to help their children. That's a a whole other kind of hero. But for my friend who called in, what we're navigating is how to best help them. And it doesn't mean that you don't have your own feelings, your own beliefs, your own issues, your own process about this, because of course you do. Of course I do. But that's for me to work through with my therapist. That is not for me to work through with my children. And as much as I've let them see my sadness about what's happened, I don't process the rest of it with them because I want them to always feel like they have that foundation to feel and be whatever they need to in this process because that's not something that I had. And just like really tactically, that looks to me like we have such a sacrosanct routine at my house. We get up at the same time. We eat breakfast at the same time. We eat dinner at the same time. We change. Like every week I do a menu on the fridge and that's what we're having for dinner. So what's for dinner changes. But the consistency, the routines, we do a big family dinner every Saturday. We have pancakes on Saturday morning. We play the same games. We have the same bedtime routines. Like we are so routine focused And maybe that sounds really boring, but I swear that has been foundational in helping them to navigate everything. And you have to imagine that having a parent who's dealing with the things that their dad was or your ex-husband was means that they didn't get consistency. It would be impossible for them to get consistency inside of that relationship because that person is unwell. So I always wanted them to understand that they had the space and the freedom and the foundation to do what they needed to do. And to me, that happens inside of routine. The second thing that I didn't have when I was a teenager and I wished I had had, so I want to create this for my children, is the ability to speak freely. And this might be something where you consider getting a therapist, please, please, please get your daughter into therapy if she isn't already. And can I just say for all the parents out there, you cannot just find a therapist on Yelp. You cannot just go find some random person and 
have that be your kid's therapist. I cannot stress this to you enough. Even if you're not as familiar with therapy yourself, we are smart people. You are smart enough to understand that the wrong kind of person speaking into your child at any time in their life, but most especially when they're grieving and vulnerable, can be incredibly dangerous. That's probably one of the like one of the most stressful parts of the last year is finding therapists because it requires a ton of research to get someone that you really like and trust and to get someone that will speak. For me, I've got four different age kids, so I need someone who can speak to that age group about grief and about grief in a way that is consistent with how I would speak to them about it. So there are all sorts of factors in play that you really need to consider, but therapy is amazing because you can speak freely, because you can say whatever you want and you're not going to hurt the person because they're not related to you. Meaning when my brother died, it's one of the few things I think my parents did really well was to get me in therapy because then I could talk to the therapist and I could say, I'm mad at my mom for this, or I'm upset with my dad for that. And it didn't hurt my parents' feelings. I just got some resources and tools for how to deal with that in a better way. So therapy is important. But beyond that, for my kids, they're allowed to feel however they want to feel about this. And I have four different kids who had four completely different relationships with their dad. So they all have processed it very differently. And however they process it is fair and safe and allowed. And not only are they allowed to speak freely, but they are not allowed to try and adjust or change how someone else needs to process. Because that was a big thing too. One person would feel angry and another person would feel sad. And the person who felt sad was upset that the other person felt angry, but it's all part of this process. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive 
where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And speaking of anger, you know, you left that in the voicemail. You said she can't let herself be angry. Grief is a lifelong process. Your daughter will grieve the loss of her dad for the rest of her life. If your daughter was two when her dad passed away, if she was in the womb when her dad passed away, she's going to grieve the loss of this man for the rest of her life. And since she is a child, she probably has a perception of him that is based on being his daughter not based on being his ex-partner. So maybe she's angry and maybe she's not. And maybe that anger will come when she's 28 or 47, or maybe it will never show up at all. Her process is her process. And we can't force them or rush them or lead the witness. It's so dangerous to sit with them and be like, Are you sure you're not feeling angry? Listen to what they're saying. Hold space for whatever it is. And I have to tell you, depending on the child, sometimes we have two-hour heart-to-heart crying sessions, and sometimes I get one sentence, and then they go on with their day, and then the next time it's a question, and the next time it's something else. One of my kids, we're in constant conversation about his dad, but it's in one sentence at a time. It's when he's ready and when he wants to talk about it, when he wants to process it, it's his journey. It's your daughter's journey. The other thing we have to remember is you cannot fix this. You cannot fix this. You cannot change this. You cannot make this okay because it's not okay. No child should have to go through this. No family member should go through this. No human being was made to have addiction and to suffer and to struggle. It's not okay. So you can't make it okay. She's going to be sad. And she's going to be sad for as long as she needs to be sad. And it's our job to hold space and to walk beside them and to give them resources and help and support. But don't try and make the process something that you want it to be. When you need resources and support, make sure that you get them for yourself. Because if you are the healthiest person that you can be, then you'll be able to best help her to navigate. And the last thing that I will say, and this isn't pretty, but this is reality, is that you also have to be willing when the time is right to have conversations with her about addiction because it is genetic. 
and it runs in the family. And so often in certain families or in certain communities, people would prefer to pretend that things haven't happened or that, you know, sweep it under the rug or don't talk about that thing. And this is our world and this is our life. This is what we're living in. But the kids also need to know that they come from addictive personality. And that could potentially show up in their life down the road. And it's a very serious disease. And you have to take addiction as seriously as you would take any other life-threatening illness. So I just try and be honest with them about all of it. And I try and hold space for them in all of it. And I make sure that I take care of myself in the process because this is hard. This is hard. And what I feel about the situation is irrelevant because my job is to be strong for them so that they can fall apart when they need to. Yeah, that's, that's my best advice. Create a safe space. Allow the freedom to feel what they feel and talk about what they talk about. Be really honest about how dangerous addiction is. And make sure, maybe you're doing this already, but I learned a long time ago to not let the way that someone died be the definition of how they lived. So do the best that you can to share good memories, talk about funny stories, share good things, because there must be there, regardless of what happened at the end. There must be good memories because you wouldn't have been with them if there wasn't. And if it's hard to find good memories, then focus on your daughter because she is the best thing that came out of that relationship. Tell stories about her with him, right? At the end of the day, the kids will process the loss, however they process the loss. But I would love to do my very best to help them see not just the hard stuff at the end, but the full picture of an imperfect life, a beautifully imperfect life, which is all any of us are in the end. I hope that was helpful. I appreciate your vulnerability in asking the question, and I hope you all will appreciate my vulnerability in sharing the answer. Okay. Took a minute, took a breath. It was a very hard subject for me to talk about. And because it is, we're going to end with a subject that makes me really happy, which is goal setting. <laughs> Don't judge me. Uh, this is a question from someone up in Calgary. Love my Canadians. Let's see what she has to ask. Hi, Rach. My name is Anna, and I'm calling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I have a question for you. I am a Start Today dream catcher. And with the reinsurgence of the Start Today podcast and you being back more than ever, I pulled out my Start Today journal. And I looked at what I wrote three years ago every day for my goals. And I had achieved three of my goals, which is huge. And I don't think I recognized how much I had been working for them and that I had actually achieved them. But I also looked at a few of my other goals 
that I wrote every day for years. And I don't think they apply anymore. I think that over the last three years, I've looked at things and things feel different. And my goals aren't the same and my dreams aren't the same. Now, if we're writing things down every day, how do we pivot when things aren't right? And if you're chasing and you're chasing and you're chasing, how do you know when things aren't right when you're not looking objectively? I think I needed to step away to look at those things to realize that they weren't me. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. Okay. I love this question. I love when anybody asks for clarity about pursuing goals or achieving goals or using the Start Today journal, which new ones are coming out soon, guys, get ready, because it helps me also to make sure that I'm explaining things in the right way. So let's first just go kind of 50,000 foot. Let me take you guys up to explain what she's talking about if you're not already familiar. If you go listen to episode zero of the Start Today podcast, there is a practice where you visualize your future, you imagine where you want to be, who you want to be 10 years from today, or five years from today, or one year from today, and you sort of paint the picture of this whole life, right? So let's make it up, and you're like, I'm 30 years old, and when I'm 35, I want to have this job and live in this neighborhood. I see myself in a relationship. I've got two weenie dogs and... Uh, a side hustle business making cookies for birthday parties and I'm writing my first book and you just like come up with all the stuff. You see this visual. And then once you have the visual of where you want to go and who you want to be, I ask you to break that visual down into 10 dreams. And if those 10 dreams came true, the life that you've envisioned for yourself would be made manifest, right? So based on the vision I just told you, those dreams might be I have weenie dogs and I live in West Hollywood, California, and I am in a relationship with an amazing woman who lights me up and makes me feel fantastic. And I'm the number one real estate agent in my neck of the woods. And I have a degree in pastry because you're making those cookies for the birthday party. Like, Whatever you saw is the recipe, and the 10 dreams are the ingredients that make that recipe possible. So the practice of doing the Start Today journal is to keep your focus, is to make sure that you know the direction that you're headed in. So here's the fantastic news that Anna has discovered, and maybe some of you have as well. If you are living life right, if you are evolving as a human being, there is no way that the 10 dreams you wrote down years ago are still all relevant to who you are and where you want to be and where you're going in this life. There's just no way. Because as you evolve, the dreams have to evolve too. And the things that you wrote down may no longer be even interesting to you. Or what I've found more often is that the 10 dreams that I wrote down years ago my older self looks back and I'm like, oh, precious. Like you thought that was the way that you got this, or you thought that that was the right description of this, or you thought that you got a book deal and you didn't understand that first you needed to have a dream of getting a lit agent. Like you don't know the exact order because you haven't done it yet. So often you'll write things 
that are the wrong thing to be writing for where you are right now. I just said the word right 25 times, but I hope you get the point. The point is that you are evolving, so the dreams have to evolve. And that's not something to be afraid of. That's something to embrace. I literally came up with the journal and I constantly am changing the way that I write things down. Like, ooh, actually, I don't like that word because that word actually doesn't inspire me or doesn't make me feel empowered. So I'm going to change the way I write it so that it feels better and more exciting. Or the other thing that happens is I'll just realize, actually, I don't need that thing I thought I needed. Like, I don't need it to be in this exact format to have the experience that I want to have. So an example from my past is like wanting to own a vacation home. I want to own a vacation home. I want to own a vacation home. Like that's a big vision. That's amazing. And at some point asking myself if there was another way to come at that goal. Is there another way that I can have this experience that I want, that I can have this end goal that I want without it being in this exact format? Well, yeah, you can commit to booking out an Airbnb for six months a year. So it's like having a vacation home, but you don't have to pay a down payment or a mortgage. You can lease the same home. You can go in halvesies with someone else. You can come at that from a bunch of different ways or realize, you know what? I thought that I wanted a vacation home to ski in the mountains, but actually I want to move my entire family to the beach. As we change, the dreams have to change. Don't be afraid of it. In fact, I think it's one of the great parts about the process of writing them down every day is that you're sitting with them so you can feel when they're not right or when they don't resonate with you. And just as a rule of thumb, if you're writing anything down on that list that's not exciting you, meaning that's not making you think like, oh yeah, man, that would make life so much better. If that's not happening, it's probably not the right dream. So that was the first part of it. You were like, is it okay for this thing to change? Yes. It's the same reason that if you read a personal development book right now that you originally read five years ago, you will likely get completely different information out of it. It's not because the book changed. It's because you did. The next question she asked is, how do you know when things aren't right when you're not looking objectively? And to answer that, I would say you need to be looking objectively. At least once a month, you should have a day set aside in your calendar, and you really shouldn't need more than one, maybe two hours to do this, but reflect on the last month. Reflect on the vision you have for where you want to go, what your goals are for this year, and then ask yourself legitimately, am I doing what I need to do to push me closer to these goals? Is there a reason that I've kind of flatlined on some of them? Are there things that I want to become passionate about again and move forward with again? Am I going to kind of let this go? In entrepreneurial terms, we would say that you need to make sure that you're working not just in your business, but on your business. And you can't work on your business if you're constantly doing the day-to-day -day work. You have to step back. So I take time pretty regularly to just make sure that I'm still headed in the same direction. You have to remember, too, when I first started working with the journal, and most people who start working with the journal, they've never done anything like this before. So asking someone to paint a vision of 10 different dreams gives them sort of a rich overview of all that could be possible 
for their life. It helps them to kind of paint by numbers this creation that they're working on. But I'll let you in on something that I don't often say. My current Start Today journal has six goals on it. And for those of you who don't have a Start Today journal, what you might not understand is that there's lines for 10. Because back in the day, I needed 10. But where I am in my life and my career, I'm aiming at such massive goals that there's not room for 10 of them. There are room for six. Six things that I am working on that move me closer to the person that I want to be. And by focusing and harnessing my energy on only those six things, that's how I see the major momentum. So depending on where you are in your life and your path and your evolution, you may start to limit the number of things that you focus on because what you're focusing on is so much bigger than it was back in the day. It's all part of the process and you should use this practice in whatever way works best for you or makes the most sense for where you are right now. I would say, just as a rule of thumb, though, to be open to the fact that it's going to change and evolve, or frankly, that something you used to really want back then is just not something you care that much about as you've gotten older. All right, guys, that is today's episode of Ask Rach. I hope you found it helpful. As always, if you've got a question for me, please call into the hotline at 737 400 4626. We'll be back with more information. But until then, as always, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.